Hello and welcome to Criterion Close Up. <laughs> this is episode number 32, our gross-out episode. Uh, we decided to break this up a little bit, so we are on part two, and uh, that's about all I'm going to say. I hope folks checked out part one where we talked about Lars von Trier's Antichrist. We also talked about a couple of, we talked about really the history of the gross-out film, and we covered uh, the Devils and Sallow, so some of the early 70s gross-out films. So we are going to stay in the 1970s, uh, same year as Sallow, with 1975's The Beast. Um, this is my, one of my choices. Um, this is a 1975 film from Walerian Borovchik. Um, he is, and it is noted as a drama horror fantasy. Uh, and one thing I noticed is that it is a, an X-rated film, um, <laughs> per se. So it's a little synopsis. It's about the head of a failing French family thinks that fate has smiled down on him when, when the daughter of a wealthy man agrees to be married uh, to his son. So daughter and aunt travel to the French countryside to meet with a family unaware that a mysterious beast is stalking the vicinity. So I I wouldn't say I quite got what I expected with this movie. Um, it certainly takes on the topic of bestiality, which is why it fits within um, the, the gross out. There's also a lot of bodily fluid. I would say the most semen I've ever seen in a, in a film by far. In a uh, film, of course. You, you've seen plenty. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> oh, but that was quite a qualification there. jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you know the, the thing with this movie too. I'm I'm not a I'm not a Baravchik. Uh, I'm really a novice because this is the first fo- full length feature I'd seen. I'd seen a uh, a short, but uh, he had a box set that came out in the UK. Quickly came and went, and uh, some all of the films I believe were re released in the UK from Arrow. One of them uh, has come to the US. So I think, you know, he may be ready for kind of a resurgence. Uh, there is a, a talk about him uh, early on. Um, there's a, uh, an introduction from Peter Bradshaw. He calls him, uh, you know, the, calls Barovchik pure, pure provocation. He has a talent for porn, so to speak. And uh, you can certainly see it here. I mean, there are some qualities of comedy in it uh, for sure, you know, the way this is handled. So... Um, it's a it's a loose adaptation. It was originally supposed to be part of uh, his Immoral Tales, uh, but when that was broken out into just four stories, this was included as part of a, a dream sequence. So, um, you know, Mark, uh, not to correct you, but actually, um, Arrow USA has released uh, Strange Case of Dev- Doctor Jekyll and Ms. Osborne, Immoral Tales, The Beast, and and uh, Blanche, and then the, uh, the the short films and animation is region free. Oh, excellent. So, nice. yeah, there's lots of uh, Borochik uh, available. Thank you. I was thinking it was just the, uh, the the first one there. So, cool. So, yeah, I mean, if folks want to want to check this out, it's probably not coming from Criterion in that case. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I really, you know, the, the part I mentioned were is what makes it gross. I mean, there's there's the sex. There's You see some genitalia, whether it's, um, um, you know, human or beast uh, specifically. But it's also, it is a man in a suit with a beast, and it is 
kind of shown uh, comedically. Uh, hopefully folks can, can see it that way. Um, I would just mention too, I thought the, the opening scene with the horses and heat was really well done the way it's, uh, it's shot. Um, this takes place at, uh, you know, they're breeding horses um, at this, uh, this house. So um, it does a, a good job with the kind of, I'll call it a pulsating vagina with the female horse and the shots of the, the male horse kind of breathing during the sex. It really, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's um, shown with beasts, but I think it is, can be commenting a, a little bit on uh, human sexuality. So um, really great shot. I, I would just say, you know, before I turn it to, you know, your thoughts, I, I did like the film overall. Um, I can see why it doesn't have a really high rating on IMDb. I'm not sure really how well um, it's received. I think some of these films do have a lower rating just because of their their subject matter. And I, I do think I would certainly go with like a film like Sallow or something like that as being, you know, better than this. But I'm, I mean, I'm in. He's a, a an animator, a provocateur, like many of these filmmakers. So I, I do want to see more uh, of his film. So, but turn it to you Cole any any thoughts on the beast or Barovchik in general I really like Barovchik actually because mm-hmm. I don't take him so seriously I think the yeah. people who are not big fans of his try to push it into a realm that he didn't intend as far as their interpretations to me the beast in particular is just kind of a lark it's clearly so fantastic that the elements of bestiality tend not to be disturbing imagery to me. It lives outside of the real world. It lives outside of time, in fact, it feels like. It's silly and entertaining sometimes, like a lot of Barovchik, and unfortunately, a little boring sometimes, like a lot of other Barovchik. If you'll see Immoral Tales, you'll probably get the same feeling from it. They're interesting films, even things um, like the Nunsploitation, the Behind Convent Walls, they're clearly aimed at a very specific audience. They're not art films by any stretch of the imagination, mm. but there are artistic elements to them, like you mentioned, that he pulls off really well. Overall, I'm generally a fan of what he does, and The Beast in particular, to me, just feels kind of like a fun, erotic lark mm. that isn't moored to the real world in any way whatsoever. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. What, what do you think, Dustin? Uh, so this is my first movie by him. I did get um, Immortal Tales recommended to me, so I'll probably be watching that sometime this week. I uh, just wasn't able to get to it in time. But um, first note that I wrote down, I was like, this this plays out like a comedy. Uh, every mm-hmm. movie that I went that I went to watch this, I approached as almost like a drama feeling to it. But this one is it. That dream sequence plays out like a comedy. The rest of the movie plays out as just a normal story. I never really. You know, I overlooked the bestiality uh, for the most part because I I didn't feel like it wasn't the grossest thing that happened in the movie. Um, I I agree with the the horses in heat, and uh, this is the most ejaculate that I've seen this side of a Bukaku movie. So, um, but yeah, it, it plays out like a comedy the whole time. Um, it was just a fun, especially watching all these movies. This one was the most fun to put on and just kind of sit back and enjoy it and just take it for the comedy that it was or felt like. Yeah. Any, any thoughts, Aaron broth chicken general? I know you didn't get to catch up with this one. Yeah. I haven't seen this one. I've seen a couple others and uh, the devil and Mrs. Osborne is one. 
Uh, but yeah, in general, I, I'd say actually, I, I would disagree slightly with Cole. I think he is considered. Sorry, Cole. That's okay. <laughs> he is considered a a, a, a a high art director, and I think a lot of people struggle with that because mm. there is so much, uh, I guess, sensuality, sexuality, uh, so much grossness. Uh, so he he is very divisive, um, but he's very popular. And uh, there was a the the DVD set you mentioned, the box set. It was a limited edition, and it sold out very quickly. And now fetches like a, a for a thousand dollars. Yeah, seriously. Um, so he's. Very much in demand. Um, I um, I've heard that his best film is Blanche. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but uh, that's you know just based on personal opinions. It's all subjective. But yeah, I, I'm curious to see more. Uh, I I would say that based on what I've seen, he's not my favorite. But mm. uh, but I, I get I get what he's going for, and I respect it. Sure. Well, that's the uh, that's the beast. Uh, let's stay. Of course, we're still in the '70s. Uh, let's move to another Criterion Collection release in the realm of the senses from 1976. Uh, this is one that uh, Aaron, you had the pleasure of uh, reviewing recently on Wrong Reel. Um, but uh, this was Dustin's choice, and I'm glad we are going to delve into this one again because it is in the collection. Dustin, what do you want to say about in, in the realm of the senses? Let's talk some porn, guys. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, we'll go from Bukaki movies to uh, just straight porn. Um, spy number 466, Oshima. Um, really basic story. Uh, you know, prostitute turned chambermaid begins a passionate affair with the... Uh, in owner and uh they spend the next hour and a half just having sex throughout the entire movie um the movie essentially just lives in their own little bubble their own little room where their own little house where they're just having sex constantly uh they're pushing their boundaries further and further uh each one uh until it meets its climactic ending uh said in both puns whatever way you want to throw with it um but yeah uh the movie is just that it's it's i think the the movie that we're going to talk about that has the most sex involved in it uh, i think it's kind of the one that's told as an art wise versus where if you've seen gasper knows love this year uh, was just told, I think, the sex in this movie kind of moves the story forward where the sex in that movie just kind of is there uh, because it was the director's choice to get as much penis and vagina into a movie as possible. Uh, what was, uh, I mean, uh, the grossest thing that happens in the movie happens at the end of the movie, and again, it's mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert, so if you want to turn it off for 20 seconds, um, it's... Maybe 40. 40 <laughs> seconds. It's, again, it's genital mutilation. Uh, a woman is cutting off a man's penis, and in the little voiceover, you find out that it was a true story that happened in 19... or. Uh, early Japan, I think was it was it early in the 30s or something, or was it later? Yeah, 36. It was 1936. 40, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So 1936 Japan, and then she walked around with her uh, lover's member in her pockets until she was arrested, and it was still in there. Um, but yeah, um, just a a movie all about passionate love and how far we can push each other's boundaries. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great take, and this is one I I have seen once. I I do do really need to revisit uh, again because I I think you can get past some of it and look at the the political pieces. I mean, it's still one of the most controversial films of all time. It's still censored in Japan, as I understand. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's 
it, there is the pornography piece, but there is the, you know, the backdrop, as you'd mentioned, 1936, where you've got the escalating imperialism, governmental control, um, you know, so there is that, that kind of political backdrop. So, yeah, it's definitely worth seeing. It, it's one that, if you're a fan of Criterion, um, you know, there's, they really cover the gamut of films, and this is one that it's, it's tough to watch um, if you can't stand explicit sex, um, unsimulated in uh, most instances, as I understand, but uh, I definitely appreciated it. Cole, what did you think of uh, Senses? I love it. Mm. I think the same way The Beast is probably the lightest, most comic thing that we watched for all of this, I think In the Realm of the Senses is far and away the most truly erotic of all of our choices. Even with all the morbidity mixed in, which has a lot of interesting things to say about how intertwined in our minds sex and death are. I really enjoy and appreciate how well they put across their all-consuming passion, the way they isolate themselves, the escalating intensity of the relationship. I would put this just below the devils in terms of my favorite things that we're talking about this time. Nice. Nice. Aaron, any uh, other thoughts you want to share other than what's on Wrong Reel? Yeah, I've I've been on uh, Oshima overdose lately. Uh, <laughs> not only have, well, I we I've talked about this numerous times, and uh, I'll put the the wrong reel episode in the show notes if anybody wants to hear more. Uh, by the way, if you're uh, profanity averse, uh, don't listen. We uh, we get mm-hmm. as infantile as possible. Uh, and by the way, you this this movie uh, they're having sex for an hour and a half. I've been having sex this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it, has, it hasn't shown, Aaron. Yeah, I know. That's the point. <laughs> is that why we turn off the videos on the Skype? That's right. It is. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just thought I was playing guitar. I thought we were trying <laughs> to save some bandwidth. I was. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm also a big fan of the film. Oh, and mm. as as far as my Oshima overload, uh, I, I also just finished a clip series uh, double feature with um, David Blakesley and Trevor Barrett, and we talked about five uh, Oshima films, so I... And, and we did touch on this one as well. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm with Cole. I love this film. I think it is high art. I think Oshima is a master. And I think that, uh, you know, when, when you think about the production, he, he because it was so controversial and it was actually a French production, he couldn't see the dailies, which is just amazing. So mm-hmm. he had no, I mean, he set up the shots, you know, immaculately, but he had to send everything to France to be cut together and... Um, but just he he's such a, a tremendous filmmaker that he he got it done and yeah I, and actually I, I I don't see it as erotic as uh, as as you pointed out Dustin I uh, and maybe that's because I've seen it three times um, I, I don't there are some there's another gross part with food too uh, but um, mm. there's a few gross parts yeah I don't need, but ero- I don't need hard-boiled eggs I never ate them beforehand <laughs> I'm not eating them now so it's, it's all right with me I, yeah we don't try that at home <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I'd say it's also uh, among, with the Devils, among my favorite films that we're going to talk about today. So I'll just leave it at that. I just think that the only re- the only thing that gro- – if you've never seen porn, this movie's going to gross you out. But if you've seen porn or you've had sex, like, there's nothing in this movie that's truly bad other than just it happens for a very long time and a lot of it. Um, but that's all it is. And if you want a taste of my Criterion collection, this Solo and like Fantastic Mr. Fox were my first buys. So uh, <laughs> what a triple feature! I know, right? <laughs> you cussing at me? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we, we didn't do, do gross ratings, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and throw mine out there. I, I I don't think sexuality is that gross, and we've we've touched on that, and I'm sure it'll come up again. So I, I I'd say you know the the ending scene is gross, and you know we talked about wood on wood and Antichrist. You know this is <laughs> going a little further, but I'll, I'll say a six. How about you, Dustin? Um, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I mean, I wish I had this guy's sex life, um, but <laughs> at the same time, not the last five minutes of the movie. So uh, just right. for the last five minutes of the movie, <laughs> I'll put it up at like a, a four uh, or five because, you know, I don't want to lose that part of me. Uh, but anytime before that, you know, just call it a call it a one. Hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, one of Cole's picks. Um, the I believe, if I'm pronouncing my Italian correctly, Giallo uh, Venezia from 1979, uh, director Mario Landi, I believe it is. Uh, Cole, what do you think? I think this is a squalid little film about the investigation of the double murder of a couple, a husband and wife, that happens along the Venetian canals. It's... Um, as far as Jalo goes, this is probably one of the most notorious in terms of how just unrepentantly nasty and mean-spirited it is. Hmm. I don't know that I would recommend it to fans or people who aren't fans of the genre already, but if you want to see it take if you want to see Jalo taken to its extreme, then this is a great example of that. It features crotch stabbings plural not just one, but two. You can't have too many crotch stabbings. <laughs> right. Of course not. Le- legs being sawed off, voyeurism, drugs, sexual humiliation. It is notable for that over-the-top gore and unrepentant sleaze that you get typically in the genre, but in this case it's just amplified way more than normal. It's... Um, as as far as redeeming qualities or achievement or achievements, it's uh, that list is kind of dubious. <laughs> the uh, it makes Venice look really ugly, which I thought no one would ever be able to do. Hmm. So, I guess you could count that as a as a some sort of a qualified achievement. Um, the leg amputation is so visceral and affecting because. The victim passes out during the act, and the victim, or the killer rather, slaps her back and awake until she comes around before he continues and finishes the job. It's just really mean and ugly. It makes Fulci's New York Ripper look like a walk in the park, I think. <laughs> um, there's much better Jalo out there if you want to get into it, but if you want to see the really gross underbelly of the genre this is where you should look nice. do you have a gross out rating goal for it uh, i'd call it a six probably just for the leg amputation alone and how ugly that is hmm. the crotch stabbings don't help <laughs> <laughs> crotch stabbings never uh, help <laughs> i'm waiting for us to get a 10 I'm, I'm interested to see what makes a 10 for our gross out maybe we'll get there <laughs> Maybe we're measuring I, this all against a film. <laughs> I think yeah, I have. Just, I think I have one. Okay. Yeah, I think I have one as well. Hmm. Cool. Now this was one um, that I don't believe anyone else had seen. Any other other thoughts that folks have? Well, I'll jump in there and say that I, I've seen some giallo or, or giallo. I, I I never know how you pronounce that. Uh, Cole. I go with the soft G. G. I, soft I call G. it giallo. 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 Okay. Sounds Italian. Um, 
I, I've seen a, a handful of giallo. I haven't seen nearly as many as Cole or a lot of people, but I, I I've seen plenty of gore. And you know, I'm, I'm an Argento fan, and I, I think he's kind of categorized inside and outside the genre. But uh, there, I've seen uh, some gore. Um, sometimes it seems a little fake. Of course, a lot of you know, a lot of that has to do with the practical effects of the time period. Uh, and especially in the 60s, you know, that Mario Baba had some gory sequences that today seem like they're nothing. But uh, but no, I, I think it's actually horror history. And I, I think that gore goes along with that. And it probably is more if it's not gory or if we don't see it as gory, it's probably more influential to other gore films. Would you agree, Cole? I would. You mentioned particularly Mario Baba, hugely influential guy. I can't mm-hmm. overstate for the horror genre how important a figure he is. And within this subgenre, you mentioned how highly stylized it is sometimes and not exactly the practical effects don't feel real sometimes because it's it generates a world of its own, it feels like. And I think Blood and Black Lace is a great place to start for people mm-hmm. who haven't delved into the genre yet. And also Aldo Lotto's Short Night of the Glass Dolls. If you want to just start with it, Start with those two, and I think you'll find those a lot more rewarding than the gross end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And for Argento, you know, Tenebrae, of course, Suspiria, uh, Deep Red, you know, you're going to see some gore, but those actually almost transcend both ha- horror and, you know, and I don't know if they're considered giallo, but but those are influential on, you know, conventional art filmmakers. So, right. Yeah, I think definitely worth bird with the. Bird with the Crystal Plumage, especially, if you want to see oh, right. a really well-made film in terms yeah. of just technical aspects, that's also a great example of the genre. Bird with the Crystal Plumage by Argento is fantastic. And a lot of these are on Arrow. I know we're t- talking about Arrow video today, but yeah, uh, they, they tend, tend to put out a lot of gross films. Uh, although I don't... Suspiria is not out yet, but I think pretty much every other one we've mentioned, including all the Bavas and all the um, the, the Argentos are... Right. So let's move on to uh, one of your picks, Aaron. Uh, the notorious, we'd be remiss if we didn't cover Caligula from 1979, staying <laughs> in the same year. Director Tinto Brass, uh, I know he had some help too, but uh, tell us about Caligula. He had some help, yes. Uh, Caligula, wow. Um, fortunately, I watched <laughs> this while my wife was on vacation. Uh, and when I told her about it, she was like, how do you remember all this stuff? I was like, well, you can't forget it. <laughs> hmm. Um yeah, it was Tinto Brass, and, and he's kind of, he's a filmmaker that, he's an art filmmaker, but he had a lot of sexuality. I, I probably kind of like a Barajic, uh, although I haven't seen a lot of his other work. That's just my understanding of him. Uh, the first treatment was written by Gore Vidal, who's a famous author. Uh, his original script was more historical, uh, and, and those who don't know, Caligula is based on a, a Roman emperor, son of Tiberius. And uh, his original script had a lot of homosexuality, which probably in Roman times might be a little more accurate than what we saw on the screen. Um, I don't know. I wasn't there, but that's just what <laughs> I've gathered. Uh, but what one thing that's important is Bob Guccione of Penthouse Magazine was the producer. And uh, and there, there weren't a lot of, uh, you know, Playboy had produced uh, Polanski's Macbeth and, and made it pretty violent, and, and there's a little bit of sexuality. Uh, actually, also didn't that also have... Uh, oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I thought it had Helen Mirren for a second. So, uh, well, Bob Guccione pretty much took over the production, uh, starred uh, Malcolm McDowell and um, Peter O'Toole, uh, John Gilgood, you know, a lot of talent in this project. But because of Bob Guccione, 
uh, his vision his vision is he he wanted a, a porno film that was based in in a historical setting you know he wanted to really you know you touched on the uh, deep throat he wanted a mainstream por- uh, porno film that uh, that would could be a box office success and so what he did is he snuck into the sets after it was all done sh- shooting and he got some of his uh, penthouse ladies and they shot hardcore pornography like uh, you know unsimulated sex you know it really pornography this film is a porno I- I'd say this is actually of, of everything this is the most most pornographic um, and what happened is that that was cut into the film and you know if you know if you look at the the quality of the the hardcore scenes versus the remainder of the film you can tell uh, you know it's like wow where'd, where'd that come from um, so both Brass and Vidal have disavowed the film. Uh, what's unfortunate is actually McDowell is very good in the film. He, he overacts, but, uh, you know, it kind of works for the part. Uh, O'Toole, O'Toole is always good, but he was a little little nuts. And um, although I, <laughs> he was a little that pretty much all the time anyway. Hmm. Um, and then Gilgood had a smaller part, but he's always good, too. Uh, so yeah, there's unsimulated sex all over the place, and and even in the scenes that were not Goccioni, there's you know orgies, there's masturbating, there's nudity. Uh, Helen Mirren is in there. She's in, uh, kind of has like a, a see-through um, piece of clothing. She doesn't get into the the hardcore sex. Sorry, fans of uh, Calendar Girls or uh, Red. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's there's a lot of torture. There's so there's actual violence. Uh, there's some some more bloody penis, uh, and and then and then the nudity. And I don't know if this is Guccione or if it was the uh, brass stuff, but you know you see you know all lady parts and you know like uh, for example Annie Christ. We saw Gainsbourg's you know hoo ha. Uh, we can cuss. We saw a Gainsbourg's <laughs> pussy, and. Uh, but you know, we just see you know the the hairy part, whereas here you see you know everything. You see it almost like it's a penthouse magazine. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's there's one scene where, uh, as far as violence goes, there's like a decapitation contraption. Uh, people's heads are buried in the sand, and uh, or people are buried in sand with their up to their head. And there's this machine that comes in, and it almost has like these scythe, like these machine scythes, probably technology that the Romans didn't have, but it just moves through, and you know, almost like farming equipment, and it just lops off their heads. Uh, so that was pretty disgusting. Uh, and then there's a lot of sexual disgust. There's uh, there's men masturbating to climax. You actually see, you know, the the, the spoogage. Uh, maybe not as much as the beast. I I can't compare. <laughs> Uh, I, I love the words you're, you're coming up with there, and this is great. Trying to be colorful. <laughs> Colleagually, you have to bring the adjectives. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, there's castration. Uh, you know, they torture, sexually torture people, feed people to dogs. Uh, they, there's a pee, peeing. Uh, there's urination on a, on a dead body, and then um, there's there's blowjobs. Uh, there's gay blowjobs. Les, there's a lesbian scene. Uh, actually, a pretty long lesbian scene. I was surprised how. Uh, how much I think that was all Guccione, uh, and then there's uh, toward a later scene. There's you, you can tell there's or a later part of the movie I should say. There's a scene where uh, Brass had some marching soldiers in the Roman army, and that's intercut between uh, this really really pornographic blowjob, uh, a threesome blowjob, and the 
we'll just say that the guy had a good time <laughs> and uh, we, we see the, the, the fruits of his, his labors or their labors, I should say. <laughs> so yeah, uh, quite a movie, not a good movie. I mean, it, mm. just as far as film rating, uh, just not good in the slightest, uh, but could have been good. Maybe if not for the Guccione stuff, you know, uh, maybe he should have just made a porno and, and left brass to, uh, make the real movie. But so I would say like a four out of 10 for the movie, mm. And then the gross stuff, I mean, there's a lot of sexuality. And, and like, I've, it's been a common uh, recurrent theme, sexuality. I don't think that think of that as gross. But the way they they put it together, I would say they go a little far. Um, so I, especially with some of the stuff like, uh, you know, some of the bloody stuff and incorporating violence into the sexuality. So I'd say like a, a maybe a seven gross meter. Hmm. Okay. How about Dustin? Um, uh, first of all, I love that we brought up Calendar Girls in a gross out podcast, um, old people <laughs> nice. movies, whatever. Um, that farm death equipment thing. And I just want to come back to that. I don't understand why it's so large. You're already burying people in the dirt. And this is kind of like, this is something that like stuck with me. I was like, they're already burying their up to their heads in the dirt. Why make something? It's, it's essentially like two stories tall with knives yeah. coming out through the top as well. Like they're buried in the ground, man. It just seems like a waste of Roman taxpayers dollars. Um, but uh, yeah, but they, they should have elected Trump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I agree. And Malcolm McDowell and Peter O'Toole are fine and great in the movie. And, and Helen Mirren is, is beautiful. Um, but the movie as a whole, I feel like without the Guccione stuff, it's, it could be lost in time. Like, you no one's remembering that movie cause it's a good movie. It's, it's a bad movie. I just feel like it would be lost in time if it wasn't for these porn sequences cut in. Um, that's a good point I yeah. looked at I watched the the uncut porn ver- the Guccione version a lot like a couple years ago and when I rented um, the version again I decided to watch the the brass version um, and it really it kind of I think it loses its appeal without the the porn stuff cut in and I know it's I know it's there hmm. for a reason but it just feels I know the Guccione version's kind of edited weird way, and there it's weird. It's edited in with porn, but also I think he messes with the story a little bit. But the movie, uh, watching the brass version, it's not a good movie at all. I feel like it could be easily lost in time, and um, it just it. I just didn't care to watch. Like the movie for me is is like a three overall, and the grossness. It's all about the porn. Um, again, you know, go back to uh, in the realm of senses. It, porn I don't think is that bad um, but I mean he does there's a lot of lot of ways to kill people I guess in ancient Rome he also um, makes somebody drink wine for a very long time and then just cuts them open eventually yeah yeah um, that's right yeah so uh, for me the gross out is 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 a little bit lower I, I'd say like a four or so uh, and the movie itself is just I, I give it a low rating I just didn't care for it uh, I'm, I'm upset you made me sit through another two and a half hour long mm. shot of Caligula <laughs> to be quite honest with you Sorry. That's no, all yeah. right. I'll I should add that there, there is a censored version, and and it's not the brass. But it's a, a little of both because a friend of mine saw it on, like, maybe some cable station, HBO or something, or maybe not HBO. And uh, and, and it's somewhere between brass and Guccione, but it cuts out, like, the blowjob because uh, I, I told him about some scenes. And he's like, what? That wasn't in mine. And and the the semen and all that. So. I uh, I tweeted a picture of mm. the uh, URL to get to Caligula on Amazon, 
and it goes through family TV or family family and uh, you know kids and family um, and then it goes to that movie and it includes the x-rated version the brass version and I guess just a, a bunch of special features as well it's a three disc collection but I, I thought it was interesting that it's category that way I just I, I can't understand why a kid would want to watch that movie or why you want to watch that for family movie night well, if you're their parents, mm-hmm. then you're pretty much, uh, you know, like the, the a Serbian film parent. <laughs> Maybe not quite that bad, but in very the direction. Very true, very true. Yeah, nice comparison. I Yeah, th- this was one I saw on a DVD from uh, a video store. You guys might remember those. Um, not a very good print. Uh, and I, I just... I just watched it because of its notoriety, you know, to really to your point, Dustin. And, you know, I just I saw it as gross overall, you know, for the the, the sexuality um, and kind of indulgent. It is an indulgent movie as the time it represents. So maybe that's where the, you know, the sex really comes into play as really just showing the indulgence of this uh, society. So that doesn't really make it good. Um, and I, I thought Peter O'Toole looked kind of gross and scary, so it did <laughs> kind of scare me <laughs> during the the film. So yeah, I, I don't even I don't even want to give it a gross rating. It's been so long since I've seen it. But any thoughts, Cole? Yeah, I was thinking when you compared Brass to Barovchik, I lump Tinto Brass in more with the more prominent sexploitation directors like Jess Franco mm, or Jean yeah. Rollin. I could sort see that. Of, yeah. In that in that group is where I put brass more often, and this thing is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's intriguing, sure, for the notoriety, like Mark mentioned, but ultimately, I think it is like you guys said. It's a footnote. It is full of occasional cheap tricks. That once those are taken out, you see mm, there's really not much here to prop this up. The cast is fantastic, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. but. The whole is def or the whole is definitely less than the sum of its parts, for sure. As far as a gross out rating, mm, I don't think it's that gross. If I wanted to give a gross out rating, I'd give it to the editor. <laughs> <laughs> That's, nice. whoever, That's fair. Whoever whoever cut it together, I give that guy a six gross out rating yeah. for as uh, for making mm. it incomprehensible. Yeah, it's that's I think Bobby Guccione is really responsible for that. Hmm. Probably so. Well, and if, if yeah. you want to. If you want to check it out, it is available from uh, on a region-free Blu-ray. So if you're going to watch it, I do recommend watching it in HD. Take it all in, folks. I'm glad I saw it. it, it, it you can tell they're trying to porno, porno, make a pornographic satiricon. It just failed. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did see. That's a good point. I did see it compared to a Fellini film <laughs> to the nth degree. Well, that one specifically. So let's move into... <laughs> yeah. Let's let's move into a different uh, genre, so to speak, still gross, um, the cannibal films. So I kind of, in this one, this was one of my picks, Cannibal Holocaust slash Ferrix. Um, and the reason I included Ferrix is it's just interesting because it's kind of a copycat, really, of Cannibal Holocaust, which I think a lot of folks do look to Holocaust as a uh, kind of the landmark for the cannibal genre. Um, there's a really nice documentary from the uh, on the Ferrix Blu-ray which is available from Grindhouse releasing along with Cannibal Holocaust um, they're a little expensive but if you're into this and want to check it out you know really nice Blu-rays they come with a slipcase and a, a DVD um, but it's Cannibal Holocaust is from Ruggiero Diodato I believe it is who 
um, is and the Ferrex is from Umberti Lenzi, and they really are very similar. Holocaust is about a rescue mission into the Amazon rainforest. Uh, Professor stumbles across a lost film shot by a missing documentary crew. So it's um, gross because of rape, mutilations, killing, of course, and I think it's most notoriously really known for the animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it really is, there is a, a piece on there, again, from the documentary where um, I, I almost took this out of the rotation in talking about this, but I, I think it does kind of bear... Um, you know, review. There was the director from one of the other cannibal films, The Mountain of the Cannibal God. Um, this is Sergio Martino. He's talking about the animal cruelty, and he's kind of really he's he's saying how it was 35 years ago, and he kind of likens it to the difference between the silent era uh, and before uh, the war. Which no, I'm not sure if that's really appropriate, you know, when you're talking about animal cruelty. But he, he is kind of trying to say, you know, this was 35 years ago. It was a, a different world then. And the other thing I just wanted to mention about um, Diodato is he was really looking at um, and, and why maybe Holocaust works better than Ferrex, whereas, uh, you know, as I mentioned, other than it being a copy in Ferrex, is uh, he, he was looking at. Um, he really kind of made his style through the cannibal films, and he thought that he was looking at these movies as more of a natural style of filmmaking, and he actually compared it into the vein of Rossellini. Um, hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> he was saying this is, uh, he called it challenging to look at the, you know, realistic aspects of cannibalism, and he, he did uh, study in, in depth and read about it. Um, the other thing about these films is, you know, they are certainly... Influential. I mean, you look at the. I, I don't know if this is necessarily the case, but it seems so. Thinking about it, that this being one of the original, if not the original, found footage film that didn't come back to play again until um, the Blair Witch Project. So very, very interesting there. So is that a good you know, thing though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's. This is a this is a tough film to really kind of categorize and look at. I, I think it's an interesting look at uh, it historically. Maybe um, I, you know, had grabbed a couple of these films. I don't know if I'm going to keep the Grindhouse releasing just because I just don't see the need to revisit these films. I mean, that's really the need to to uh, own them. So I'm gonna go with a gross out meter on this one. With you know the. Frankly, the the scenes with the the humans, you've seen it all before, uh, so to speak. It didn't really gross me out, but the animal cruelty uh, really got to me. First time I'd ever seen it on a film when I saw Holocaust a while ago. So uh, I can't, I mean, I've got to put it as a nine uh, just for that because there are a number of them. And in Ferex, he just goes the next level and really tries to copy it. It includes the, um, you know, the, the, killing and mutilation and eating really of a of a turtle uh this is just horrific but also there's uh in ferrex he goes as far as to really just um torture a pig um in a, in a scene so it's just it's too much it's unnecessary it's just there to uh, really shock obviously and you know with to today's standards i mean on the blu-ray you can watch it with the animal cruelty and without. You know, there's two versions there, uh, luckily. So I know you guys have delved into the uh, these films a bit. Just curious your reactions. I'll go with a Cole first. 
I'm with you in that the actual animal cruelty is the hardest thing to watch. Anytime you see something being perpetrated on something or someone that's so defenseless, that's hard to take in. I think it also is effective, though, in that it plays this nasty little trick in that it pushes you over into that this-is-real territory, Mm. which sets you up to imagine the things that aren't real, the things that are happening to the human beings. It gives those things much more impact because now you have been pushed into this area where these things are actually happening. I think it's a valuable film for... A handful of reasons, like you mentioned the found footage thing, and if that had stopped after the Blair Witch instead of generating thousands of (laughs) straight-to-video copycats, copycats, (laughs) then I I think we wouldn't feel as badly about the found footage genre. Um, I think it has a... There's a feeling to this film that you don't get with a lot of other things. It's one of those that is definitely unique one of a kind and like you said not necessarily recommended for everyone but i think it's valuable that at least this one exists mm. ferrex less so to me that plays it's kind of a dud for me where holocaust succeeds yeah. ferrex feels more like a cash in an imitation and it's it's not nearly as interesting because of that but i think there i think cannibal holocaust is its existence is necessary hmm Interesting. Yeah, mm. I, I could go there. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, I'm I'm going to be quick because we're <laughs> running long, but I, I'm pretty gonna, much going to echo your your well, both of your thoughts. Uh, the the human violence not that big of a deal. Uh, the actually the storytelling was not terrible I, with the found footage. Now the acting was not that good, and I know yeah. they they had ADR. Uh, but the the turtle man, that turtle really got to me. Uh, yeah. and, and even the, the was it a meerkat? So yeah, that. Uh, and I, I do realize that context of times, uh, you know, I, I've defended uh, the Jacques Cousteau and uh, Louis Mal, uh, the Lost World, or not the Lost World, uh, I forget the name. Anyway, uh, because they were pretty cruel to uh, the oceans creatures, but they just didn't know much back then, and they all regret that. And I, I know this director regretted that this too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just I can't handle the uh, the animal stuff, especially that turtle. So um, I'm going to go a nine. Nice. On the gross out a film, yeah. like maybe a three. Yeah. Dustin. Um, so both movies pretty much touch on the, you know, hero white men corrupting native societies. Uh, or at least that's what I got from, you know, both films uh, for the most part, or just being absolutely cruel to native societies, like in um, Holocaust itself, where, you know, they're staging these murders and burnings and whatnot uh for their own case there was a court case in real life too against the director of holocaust if i'm not mistaken uh for obscenity charges or you know the actual might have been murdered uh, the woman on the stake thing um Mm. but uh yeah he was in prison for a while i think because of this but yeah yeah. and and holocaust is i've become numb to that over the years anytime someone's like hey let's watch you know one of these really messed up movies i'm like all right well let's watch cannibal holocaust because the animal cruelty is probably the worst part of that entire movie um, for the most part. Uh, and, and I feel bad for turtles in general. I, such defenseless and nice creatures uh, to get what they get in both of these movies. Um, I think the the worst thing about these two movies, and I'll give Holocaust um, you know, a 7 or 8 on the gross scale and Furox a little bit lower than that, 6 or 7, um, is that they gave us Eli Roth. 
Um, yeah, I, the... <laughs> yeah. I, when I was watching, I watched Holocaust more than a, probably a dozen times up to this point, and the music's beautiful. Um, and I think that's kind of the worst part is that music in the beginning leads you to think it's going to be such a nice movie aside from the title. Uh, but Furox, uh, that was the first time I've seen that uh, was just recently. And I think uh, Eli Roth not only takes a lot from Cannibal Holocaust, but I think he takes more from uh, Cannibal Furox, which I think is a little bit lesser known. So I think maybe he tried to get away with some of the plot points in Green Inferno. But uh, I can never forgive these films for giving us Eli Roth out of everything. And I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later, and I'm going to try to touch on that in the Martyr segment. But but yeah, I mean, I, I love Holocaust. It's got a special spot in my heart um, for the most part. But uh, but yeah, uh, they're both gross in their own ways um, and more against animals than anything else. Yeah. So the next film was uh, one of Cole's pick uh, picks, Flower of Flesh and Blood, I believe it's called. Cole? Yes, this is the number 10 on the gross scale that I referenced earlier. Uh, this film by Hideshi Hino from 1985. It's from the infamous guinea pig series. And as much of a plot as there is, a man dressed as a samurai kidnaps a woman with the intention of killing and dismembering her to add the body parts to his collection. And it's basically exactly that. There is It's relentless gore. I guess when we were talking earlier about redeeming qualities, um, (laughs) this one, I guess the crowning achievement would be incredibly effective. If special effects department on a shoestring budget is probably the best thing you could say about it. The other redeeming qualities, it's only 42 minutes long and (laughs) it's not mermaid in a manhole. The sixth film in the series, which I think (laughs) is probably even more repellent than this one. That's a guinea pig series, right? Yes, it's this entry in the series in particular is probably most known to people because it was the one that Charlie Sheen happened to see at a party, and he thought it was an actual literal snuff film, and he reported it to the FBI. Oh, wow. Great. <laughs> Jeez. wonder what he was on when he did that. It is extremely <sighs> graphic, and there's not much else to say about it. But in wow. terms it's- of gross out, it's at the top. I think I'm gonna pass. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going in my Netflix queue. Did you watch I had this my one? Fill. Did you watch this one, Dustin? Um, I didn't. I've heard of the series, um, hmm. and I'm really upset that I wasn't able to find it anywhere online. And my reliable rental store that I've shouted out four or five times now um, doesn't have it for some reason. So bad on them, and bad on <laughs> me for never being able to find some kind of uh, VHS to DVD underground copy of it somewhere but i mean i've heard of i think you could i think mermaid in a manhole might be on youtube somewhere so i didn't watch that one because it wasn't flowers and flesh and blood but i've heard it i i know the whole series is gory and uh and uh, i mean i would give it a 10 just uh based off reputation for the most part but uh but i can't really comment as a watcher or anything like that Wow. Oh, I, I see a minute-long clip on YouTube. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> a minute's even all a, you need. Yeah. Even a minute, yeah. huh? <laughs> if it's the right minute. Yeah, it might be. kind of looks like it. Well, Okay. Well, moving on. Where, where, <laughs> I think I'm going to skip lunch, start? too. I'm sorry. Where did you see it, um, Cole? I actually own a copy of it. Son of a bitch. I'll be in Austin oh, wow. next week, probably. <laughs> I'll fly down. <laughs> 
your last appearance wanted me to go to Austin. This one wants me to stay that <laughs> stay that away. <laughs> Just don't don't look at uh, don't look at Cole's collection, other than the Criterion. <laughs> yeah, the Road to We'll do the Road Trilogy. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Aaron, you've got the next one, uh, 1989, the end of the 80s here, uh, with Society, directed by Brian Usna. Society, yeah. And, yeah, we're getting more into the mainstream and away from the art. And I, and I, I kind of wonder if this is maybe just the trend uh, that it, it went through from the 70s mm. into the 80s and so on. Although I, I think, uh, you know, we can probably make some arguments for there being some art in some of these uh, last few choices. But Society is more of a mainstream horror. And, of course, in the 80s, there were tons of mainstream horrors. Um, and this is, Yuzna is the same director that did Reanimator. That's really where he got his uh, start. And, you know, I, I think really he's known for these two films. He he did the sequels to Reanim- Reanimator as well, but I, I don't think they're as uh, well-received or remembered, except for, you know, cult status. But, yeah, really the first two-thirds are pretty plain, um, you know, g- not the best acting even. I know I'm making this sound worse than it is, but it's it's more just, you know, a, a guy sees uh, evidence of things being uh, awry in his town and he's trying to figure out uh, what the deal is. Uh, and he's a, a youngster. He has a girl. There's a, a, a rival male uh, sort of uh, male uh, squabble over the girl. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a little bit clunky. And actually the director described it as clunky, clunky on his own. And he, he said he was not the best director. But what really makes made me think of it for, you know, I, I wanted some sort of 80s horror, you know, campy horror representation on the list. And mm. so it, it was really the last third of the movie that um, that really makes me want to include it. And uh, they have this thing called the, quote, shunting, S-H-U-N-T-I-N-G. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm spoiling the movie, so sorry if you haven't seen it, Mark, if you want to close your ears. but. <laughs> it's okay. uh, you know, it's it's kind of a Rosemary's Baby kind of thing, uh, secret society, uh, but they are they kind of eat people and uh, they suck on a guy. You know, this whole dinner party. It's actually a whole class, uh, like upper class versus lower class. You know, the rich eating the poor uh, kind of kind of point or kind of theme. But yeah, they they basically eat poor people, and one guy uh, at one point sticks his hand up uh, somebody's uh, butthole. And his hand comes through his mouth, uh, <laughs> and uh, and then and then there's another guy, time where somebody's turned inside out, uh, and then there, there's a few just flat out just gory scenes, mm. uh, you know, with, with like uh, with this this uh, party of just lots of gore, everybody being consumed by gore, really ooze, oozy, you know, uh, like glistening ooze on everybody. It's it's really tough to describe, uh, and it's the first time I saw it, it was it was kind of shocking. Now I kind of just respect it as, as far as like the the creature effects or the practical effects or the body horror. Uh, it's just really well done. Oh, oh there, there's one time when a guy uh, has a face in his anus and he speaks and he goes. <laughs> <laughs> nice impression. Thanks. Uh, it, it's a funny movie too, and, yeah. and and the last third is so over the top and uh, and campy and and it is gory, but it's just a whole lot of fun, and and it has a, a cult status. It's it's also on on Arrow Video, and so that's why I included it. I, I just yes. think it's a good time. Yeah, we need some camp in this on the show too. So, <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> Dustin, I believe you've seen this one. Yeah. Um. So I did see the Arrow release of it. Um. It is exactly what Aaron said. It is campy beyond belief. Um, and everything that he's mentioning in the film, for the most part, takes place in the last 20 minutes. 
So up until mm-hmm. the last 20 minutes, so for like the hour and 10 that precedes it, um, completely normal film for the most part. There's that hmm. phone call, there's that recording of uh, of the party that he overhears that would be like the weirdest thing about the whole movie. But that's one that kind of like completely catches you off guard because it's so normal and campy and kind of funny for the first hour and 10 minutes and then bam like with a baseball bat to the side of your head goes weird mm-hmm. as oh yeah crap towards the end of the movie so but again this the special effects are probably like the most artistic best part of the whole movie but uh but yeah i mean that is that's a weird weird um weird weird movie um i also <laughs> liked how in the the final sequence and it is a play on like class you know, upper class eating the lower class is a way of saying that they feed off of the poor and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like there's paintings in the mansion at the end of the movie that essentially depict what they're doing to the poor people as well. Um, I said that's something I noticed. I like that that production design yeah, in yeah. the back as well. It plays a lot of detail. Um, but yeah, this is probably the campiest one that we've watched. The movie itself <laughs> is it's a fun movie, uh, but but really mm-hmm. kind of baseball bat to the side of your head for that final twenty minutes. Hmm. That's exactly it because I I remember I blind bought this from Arrow uh, knowing its reputation and when I watched it I, I was like wow this is just not that good but but yeah you're right it just it comes out of nowhere and it just goes balls out uh, you know red gore uh, and even incest you know it, it has a lot of uh, oh, and I forgot to give it a, a gore rating I'd, I'd give it a, a six hmm. just because of the practical effects yeah six on the practical effects to it there's also the mom who eats hair at that movie right, she's right. So weirdly attracted <laughs> to people's hair and i thought she was going to be involved somehow in the eating later on she wasn't she was just completely whacked out of her mind yeah and actually that that doesn't make sense and in the in the feature the director said uh, he knew it didn't make sense but quote i never reject something just because it doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> nice any any thoughts on society cole i'm a big fan of it as well i love it for its unabashed weirdness more than anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. There was really nothing else like it on the horror landscape in 1989. When you look back at what was, what were the more popular or, or highest box office horror films from that stretch, this is very, very definitely the outlier. That finale is completely bananas. And I think <laughs> the social, the socioeconomic thing, themes of it have gotten only more interesting and relevant with time. It feels like, mm-hmm it's it has its flaws sure in between the weirdness but i i like to just let the weirdness wash over me and really enjoy that part of it hmm so yeah check it out mark yeah uh, it's it's on my again i feel bad this is the one where aaron said you got to watch this for the gross side episode i just couldn't fit it in but i will soon i promise a lot of movies So, uh, and Cole, uh, your next pick, it, you know, the interesting I'm just gonna m- thing I'm going to mention is we skipped the 90s. Uh, we actually, our next pick is 2001, just a little oh, aside wow. there. So, 2001's Visitor Q, Takashi Miike. This is actually the one out of all of my choices that I would recommend. This is the most well-made film of my three selections. It's the only actual film, I feel like, of my selections. Mm. I love Takashi Miike and how much like Lars von Trier, his reputation for provocation and never making the same thing twice. I'm, I'm a really big fan in this particular case. The story is a strange visitor moves in on a family seduces everyone. And I do mean everyone 
and then moves on, leaving all of them forever changed. I like it because it is so transgressive. It is a complete dismantling of the idea of the family unit. It takes that tradition of outsider turns a household upside down, they go through this trial, and then eventually discover they're stronger on the other side. Only this time, the usual wacky sitcom hijinks are replaced with incest, murder, necrophilia, and enough bodily fluids that you'd have to roll your pants legs up to walk through the kitchen. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Uh, But if you give into its logic, it's a transformation that each of the characters really needs to make. It's extreme, definitely, but his visitation exposes what an empty sham their lives were before he arrived, and now their house is truly a home, for better or worse. It won't be for everyone, but if you enjoy the provocative end of the spectrum, you might really like it. Hmm. Yeah, I thought hmm. of uh, Killer Joe when you talked about a, a, a you know a stranger or a visitor. So mm, yeah. people being changed. Interesting. It goes back even if you want to tie it to the collection, and it's obviously far different extremes. But Boodoo saved from drowning. Oh. It, it has e- <laughs> yeah. echoes of that. If you want to interesting to look hmm. at it that way. Nice. Any any thoughts on now? I I know I I've seen some uh, Mike. Any thoughts you wanted to share on uh, Mike in general, Aaron? Yeah, I, I like Mike and uh, and 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 Cole uh, did it. He's exactly right that Mike mixes things up. You know, he can be a art film. I mean, he is an art film director, but he mm. does have a violent streak. He does have a a pleasant streak. Uh, he, he's done quite a variety. I just received the uh, the audition uh, steelbook from Arrow, and I'm. You know, I, I, you could argue that that's a gross-out film without being, you know, as gory as a lot of the movies we've talked about. But there's a scene in there that's going to get everybody, uh, everybody uh, feeling it in their stomach. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, the good thing is uh, Mike's been coming out a lot. Uh, a lot of his movies been reissued. So I'm hoping that this one will be uh, on the docket somewhere. We'd really love to see it. Yeah, we were just looking. It's out of print on DVD. It was available U.S. and and U.K. but no longer so i'm sure arrow listen <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did think of a, a movie from the 90s that we missed uh troll 2 <laughs> it, it's it's gross for being just made <laughs> nice one yeah I, I hear that's a good follow-up to viewing for me from the rooms and so bad it's good yes definitely i saw mm. uh visitor q um and and uh, Cole can only make the suggestion that's the only one that he can recommend because it's literally the only one you can find anywhere uh, of all his suggestions. But um, but yeah, it is it is uh, Takashi to or um, sorry Mike to the max um, mm. for the most part. That that family unit is is brought together at the end that the son thanks this visitor. But before then, it's such a exaggeration of of the family unit that. Uh, at some point you're just like why was he making this movie but oh my god the bodily functions in this movie and the father um in this movie is fantastic for mm. overacting and can't be acting for the most part nice well that's visitor q we have two movies left let's move into 2008 uh we have the i guess i'll call it the french horror film martyrs uh we kind of alluded to earlier dustin yeah, so this is uh, Pascal Langier, Langier, um, a French uh, French horror movie. Uh, I think Aaron, uh, the, that new French wave that Cole was talking about earlier, um, French horror wave that they did. Uh, really, the story starts off with a young girl who is escaping uh, some kind of prison in an abandoned warehouse. 
Um, she's she's raised in a uh, in an orphanage and befriends another young woman. And a couple of years later, she goes back for revenge on the family that was torturing her. Um, her friend kind of helps her clean up the mess, and that's where the movie kind of goes off the rails from there. So. Um, you know, uh, the main girl who was tortured ends up dying, and this other girl is taken in by the secret cult who wants to figure out um, kind of the secret to the afterlife by uh, torturing these people in order to get them to go to some type of transcendence, uh, and they can bring back that message from the afterlife. Um, very strange, strange movie for any part. Um, and it was recently remade American-wise, too. Um, and I think the French version is kind of unabashedly dark uh, with mm. no hope. Um, it's actually French-Canadian, and I think um, Xavier Dolan actually makes a quick cameo as one of the members of the family that was torturing um, uh, the young girl in the beginning. Um, but but it's... Uh, it's it touches on you know i talked about political i talked about sexual and now this is kind of like the religious aspect of these gross sure. movies um but the american version um keeps both and slight spoiler keeps both of the girls alive throughout the whole movie um and i think when i was reading about it um and i saw it and it does do a lot of uh take backs to um the older or the old the french movie the original french movie but for some reason um he wanted to keep that hope alive that you know both of these girls might make it out or mm. that they'll have each other to get through this experience and i and i found that to be kind of weird that um you know americans uh, should any movie that we're going to talk about here be remade at all um i, I guess i, I want to pose that question to you guys um would, could you see any of these movies being remade what's the point of remaking any of these movies they're such cult classics in their own respect um, but to remake them and give them kind of a, a happier edge is, is kind of like a weird way to go about mm. it. It takes away from that cult cultness to it. What do you, what do you guys think about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would agree. I just don't, you know, here's another successful, um, you know, foreign language film to us film that's being remade into an American version that is, uh, inferior. And, you know, like you said, of course, we've got to do the, you know, the uplifting, um, piece to it. I just, this is a, it's a film, it doesn't need to be remade, you know, to, to what you were saying, Dustin. I, I like this film, and I think I'd recommended it to uh, Aaron, who I, I know just couldn't get to it either. It, the, the influence that I see for it is Hellraiser. Um, I'm a big fan of hmm. the, you know, of Clive Barker, because I, I think it is more cerebral, um, especially towards the end there and the pieces that you were, you were speaking to, Dustin. So um, I, I recommend it. I just wanted to mention, too, this is a film that I first learned of from the Cinema Jaw podcast, and they were talking about it saying there's before martyrs and there's after martyrs. And, um, you know, it's, I don't know if you take it on its own, I could go there. I mean, this film certainly has a lot of gore, but it's just more again on the uh, cerebral side, which I, you know, appreciated, uh, so to speak. So and I, I think you've seen it, Cole. Yes. And I think my thoughts echo yours. I really, I really enjoy it too. Mm. Mainly because like you say, it's not just a gore fest. There is a considerable amount of, thought that they put into this and i know some some of the criticism that's been uh leveled at it particularly particularly for the ending being sort of freshman level philosophizing and i i see that but still Hmm. up to that point 
it's a really compelling watch. I'm a big fan of the new French extremity, and what I like, I guess, the most about it is the fact that it just does not let you off the hook. It is not an easy watch. It doesn't pretend to be. It doesn't want to make thinking about these ideas something that you can just put down when you turn the movie off. To a lesser degree, films like Inside. I like Inside probably second on the list of these French films. Films mm. like High High Tension, which I think fails a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Frontiers, which is another really interesting film from the school. There's a lot of good work, or it was, I guess, now that it's been a few years, a lot of good work that was going on in this wave of French horror films, but this is far and away my favorite one. I think this one transcends, appropriately, all <laughs> the rest of those. Yeah. And and there's a connection with our show, with uh, the new French extremity. Uh, one film that's considered to be part of the movement, and an early part of the movement, is Fat Girl. Mm, right. In, yeah. in fact, you'd be surprised by uh, the you know who, who we think of as the new French auteurs. How many of them are part of this movement? You know, Denis is part of it. Brie, uh, Olivier Assayas, uh, Francois Ozon is part of it. So yeah, it's a nice mixture of art and horror. So I, I'm I'm down with it too. Yeah, great point. The uh, and uh, martyr comes from the Greek word martis, which means witness. So a little Mad Max Fury Road uh, reference there. <laughs> so. Nice. <laughs> so, all right, last film, guys, uh, and possibly the worst. <laughs> um, I mean, saving the best, the worst for last, maybe. I, I don't know. We'll we'll talk briefly about it, but 2010's a Serbian film. So I'm not even going to pronounce the director's name because uh, you can go to IMDb. There's no pronunciation out there. Um, this film is about an aging porn star who agrees to participate in a quote-unquote art film, so right up our alley, right, with Criterion, um, in order to make a clean break from the business, only to discover that he has been drafted into making a pedophilia and necrophilia-themed snuff film. So that's where it goes off the rails. Um, you know, I'm not going to say a lot about this movie because I think the reason I wanted to watch it was because it was notorious um, our my our friends over at the uh, First Time Watchers podcast, they point to this and Sallow whenever they talk about gross movies. So I'm like, I got to watch a Serbian film. And, you, you know, what's gross about it? Uh, I'll just, again, put it out there. It, it shows in some realm sex with a kid and with a fetus. So if you can stomach that, uh, go for it. I think it, it it's certainly a, a gross film. It doesn't. I don't know how many redeeming qualities it has, but I'm just going to mention what maybe I think it's going for. Uh, and I don't. I'll just put it out there. I don't think it quite works, but I just I, I see where it's going. Uh, it may be talking about you know obsession with sex, um, male power, and you know male sexual power not being specifically you know about love. Uh, how does family fit into a life of porn? Like if you're someone that watches porn a lot, uh, I've heard about, you know, porn addiction. Um, I think there's, there's a filming culture where in the final shots there's, you know, everyone is filming something. Um, so kind of speaks to, to that. Um, wondering, I think the big thing for me is, uh, oh, and there is a, a thing of maybe the gangster effect of, you know, you can get out, but you're never really out, you know, like in uh, The Godfather Part 3. But the thing, I, I think the the main thing I took out of it was, you know, really, 
it's asking how far we are willing to go as a society for entertainment. Um, you know, how far is like the porn industry willing to go when, you know, this guy's making this film and like I had mentioned the, the kid and the baby. So I'm just gonna leave it there. I, I think that's about as far as I can <laughs> take this film. I know you guys have seen it. Uh, what'd you think, Cole? Well, what was your gross out rating? That's oh, um, for this one, it really matters. <laughs> you, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, with those those two scenes, I wasn't. It's funny. I wasn't as put off as I thought I was going to be because because I, I just felt like that's what it was going for. It was so over the top, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. that it doesn't didn't quite hit me as much as much as I thought it would. Um, and I think it's almost you know grosser that it. You know, I, I just don't think it's that great of a film. So I'll give it an eight for a gross out rating. Cole, what do you think? I think that, again, I kind of echo some of your sentiments. You ask how far are we willing to go in the name of being entertained. When I look back at my choices for this episode, just for these three, I'm willing to go a long way. But in this case, this just didn't do it. This was... The last one I watched, this was the only one I hadn't mm. seen prior to us uh, getting ready for the show. And so it's the most recent one I, I watched. I watched it just a few days ago, right after I'd started watching Antichrist again. And I couldn't help but compare it to that since they were the two I watched back to back. And it feels like everywhere that Antichrist is art, this is completely artless. Mm. The problem with modern horror in a lot of cases was once again something that came up with this. I don't care about any of these people. I'm not invested in this story. Uh, Beyond the things that you mentioned, the themes that it was touching on, there's allegedly um, the allegory of the state that Serbia finds itself in now politically after all these years of civil war and how the director was making a parody of things that are prominent in the Serbian film industry now, Serbian family films. I just don't buy it. I don't connect with it. It doesn't seem to succeed at any of the things it sets out to do except being intentionally shocking. And therefore, since I know Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't work either. My gross out rating is probably around a six just because I had no investment in it whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah. Good, good point. Aaron. I'm going to surprise you guys here. I went into this expecting to loathe it. In fact, this is the one I uh, was least uh, looking forward to. Um, I know a little bit about Serbian politics, and I'm a big fan of some Serbian films. Uh, I'm a fan of Costa Rica and uh, Dusan Mu. I can't say the last name, but I, <laughs> uh, him. Um, he has an eclipse set out if you want to Google it. Uh, and uh, David will probably uh, slap me for forgetting his name. <laughs> Makaviev? Uh, I actually, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Um, I actually kind of sort of liked this film. Uh, now, I, 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 when I logged it in the letterbox, I put five out of ten, but I'm leaning towards like six out of ten, maybe even seven out of ten, um, and because I thought that it was exhilarating, I, I thought it really did. I, I really did get caught up in the narrative, and I thought it was well constructed. It was. I was surprised by how well constructed it was. Uh, and you're not supposed to identify or uh, with either of these people, and I think that's okay. There's a lot of films where I don't identify or like the main character, and, and you know we're talking about Von Trier. You know he takes his his females for a ride, uh, and, and this one, well, the females too, but 
he really took the the mail for a ride as well. Yeah. So, uh, and and I did read the the director's explanation for it and about how um, uh, how he's really rebelling against the uh, the Serbian uh, films of nowadays of the modern day. And as a, a big Costa Rica fan, and I should add that the, the lead actor was in Underground. Uh, he played a character by the name of Jovan, uh, a younger character who uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Underground, but I highly recommend it. It's on its and way. And that's that's also a parody of uh, Serbian politics, and and probably and it's definitely a better one than this. So I I did find a lot of the scenes shocking. Uh, I I'm actually going to give this one the gross out meter of ten. Hmm. I did find the uh, the actually the, the the one that bothered me the most was the necrophiliac. Uh, the the scene where uh, you know the the hit her hit her uh, that one oh, yeah. I, and I that one was tough. And then uh, you know the, later the, the scenes with the um, well I don't, don't want to give too much away. Uh, so yeah, I I, I kind of think that this one is in a way worth watching. And uh, yeah. Kind of in a way good. I'm now. I'm never going to rewatch it. <laughs> right. I, I rewatch Sallow and In the Realm of the Senses. This one, I, I once is enough. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm probably in the minority here. Nice. Well, I don't know, Dustin. What do um, you think? So I'm going to read Wikipedia real quick because it touches on everything. And and honestly, you can go read it all yourself. But the film is a parody of modern modern politically correct films made in Serbia. Um, he also says it's an exaggeration of representation of the new European film order. In Eastern Europe, you cannot get a film finance unless you have a barefoot girl who cries on the street or some story about war victims in our region. The Western world has lost feelings, so they're searching for false ones, and they want to buy feelings. And then finally, it denounces the fascism of political correctness. Um, you can read all the quotes there at Wikipedia, but for me, I do not see any art in this movie whatsoever i have no idea what he's talking about uh maybe because i've either a never lived in eastern europe or b never really watched a whole lot of serbian movies and the only one i may have seen might be a serbian film um but for me this movie is is wrong on just absolutely every level um it is it is bad uh, I mean, it, it's a decent movie in terms of like production value and whatnot, but man, mm. the movie is just, it's just wrong on every level. Uh, like I wrote down in a note, a question relating to like, if we were gonna have a film discussion about this film, trying to break down the plot, which was stupid on my part, uh, and doesn't really need to be broken <laughs> down. Um, but for my film rating and I'm going to drop the, uh, spinal Tef reference, this thing goes to 11 guys. Um, this is, <laughs> nice. this is, I, I don't the thing that bothered me the most was and again spoiler is the newborn porn sequence when i first saw the movie it was an edited cut and that entire sequence is implied uh kind of in the background mm-hmm. um but when i saw it on youtube where it's readily available until uh people read this po- or listen to this podcast and then it gets taken down <laughs> um that's not implied that's not implied at all that is fully shown and it was probably going to be a 10 before that but now that i've seen that I move it to an 11. That movie <laughs> is on a whole nother level of grossness for me. And uh, I, I, I rewatched it just for this podcast, but I never want to rewatch it again. I think it's burned in that memory and I really wish I need <laughs> to get it out somehow. <laughs> so, sorry to give you a reason to see it again. <laughs> no, I, I really, I really am in the minority here, but uh, I'm right. Sorry. <laughs> when I saw, it, when I saw a, your letterbox, it's a I was fuck like, you to uh, the, the Serbian cinema, and I think it, it's it's a, a, the most effective fuck you to Serbian cinema there is. So, uh, no, I'm but probably. No, I, I, I'm kidding. I, I I get your 
I respect your opinions. <laughs> I'm probably closer to you than than anyone, Aaron. I, I mean, I, I I think it's just I actually came a little bit with where you were at, but the farther I am, I, I am away with it. It just hasn't stuck with me. So I don't know. That's the way I'm kind of. We could not have done this it, podcast but... without talking about this movie because this is yeah. this is the pentacle of just gross. Aside from mm-hmm. you know flowers of flesh and blood, which none of us have been able to see yet. Well, how about uh, let's we that's all for our films. We wanted to mention a couple picks that uh, some of our listeners and friends had and before we kind of pick our favorites. Just final thoughts. Um, we did get um, Dave Eves who was asking, "What about Human Centipede?" Um, so <laughs> didn't include that. Uh, there's been a lot of people have talked about that, and we can only fit so much. This is a long episode of folks have heard, but um, <laughs> the other one was uh, from. Um, Mr. Cobb, the Prospero's books from Peter Greenway. Um, Greenway, yeah. Yeah. This one's a, it's a retelling of The Tempest uh, from uh, Shakespeare. So a couple other other picks there. Inset- My wife's uh, maiden name is Prospero, so she's very, very aware of that one. In Session wanted nice. us to drop uh, Eyes Without a Face, too, from the podcast that you recorded. Oh, yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. And we, I, I think we'll we'll make that its own episode someday. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a good film. I don't know if we can go gross with that one, but, you know, because it, it's, it's, it's so good and arty. But, yeah, good pick. There's also the Saw movies, you know, I, I think. Uh, but we, we kind of, there's a balance between art, and I know some of these aren't art, but versus commerce. And I see that with the new horror, a new American horror at least, and Eli Roth, you know, a lot of the found footage stuff, it's, I don't think they're really trying to say anything. I think it's more just trying to put butts in seats and make some money. Mm. And I actually think that's the case with Human Centipede too. I think they're, I don't think that there is any redeeming value there. They're, they they just are trying to shock you and, uh, and, and really they keep on trying to up the ante with each one. So can I make mm. a two last points? Um, Mark made us watch begotten or made me watch begotten at least. Um, huh. I'll never forgive you for that um, because <laughs> I don't even know how to describe that film. There's just a big question mark on my notes, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with like the grain quality of the movie. Um, but lastly, I think when it comes to American horror, um, it is about putting butts in the seats and making money off of that. But at the same time, you know, America's the best country in the world, guys. Rah rah. What what set us back from being able to make these really gross movies? Why are we not number one in gross movies? All we talk about is foreign movies in this podcast for the most part. Some of them are English, but a lot of them are foreign. Is it did we not have did we not go through you know the horrors of the war or was it the codes fault that we talked about in part one? Why are we the best? We're America. Yeah, well, I. I... <laughs> I think we're not always the best cinema-wise, but that's that's a different argument. Um, I don't really have an answer. Yeah, I think horror is kind of in a rut right now, actually. I, well, I like some of the horror that's not gross, like It Follows, and I've heard good things about witches. Yeah, yeah. There, there's yet, some some good stuff that's coming out, but yeah, I mean, my favorite from last year is Foreign with uh, Good Night, Mommy. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah we need we gotta we gotta shake it up uh, a more, little bit. More psychological horror these days, too. Yeah. So any, uh, well, any, I, I guess um, I'm just going to, we're going to go around briefly, just uh, pick our favorites. Any any other final thoughts? Cole, I'll turn it to you first. Uh, favorite gross-out films? Um, out of the list of things that we talked about, I guess The Devils really does rise to the top. That thing is mm-hmm. fantastic. And In the Realm of the Senses would be uh, 
a solid second place and Serbian film would be dead last <laughs> out of out of everything that we went through. Um, one of the things that I thought about a lot while we were getting this together and all the research I was doing and catching up on the films that I hadn't seen in a while was about all the controversy that they courted at various times in cinema history and how ultimately when we look back in almost every case, they seem somewhat tame. The That combined with that gut reaction I had to the Cannes press conference, it made me think a lot about how the banning of art is just utter garbage and how the recent French rulings getting certificates pulled from Antichrist, yeah. for one thing, those rulings are so depressing. You, mm. plural you, not you guys, but universal you, you don't get to tell me what art is. It's it's so frustrating and infuriating at times. You you want to call someone out and justify their art? Yell at the people who are churning out wave upon wave of banal, safe mediocrity rather than mm-hmm. picking on the people who are actually trying to make something that pushes you somewhere you've never been before. It was what I kept yeah. coming back to when I was doing the research and, and thinking about these things a lot. Yeah. How, how yeah, that's the point, you know, that, that they, they don't, you know, those are the people that don't want to be pushed to think differently or, you know, have, have their views challenged. You know, very definitely. So it seems like, uh, uh, I hate to pick on him over and over again, but Baz Bemagoy um, <laughs> espoused what is such a conservative viewpoint that I'm so taken aback by the ideas that you put in front of me instead of looking inward and trying to figure out, hmm, what about it? What about this is affecting me this way to turn that outward and demand that the artist justify his art? It just seems ridiculous to me. Hmm. I think Cole and I need to make an American film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, Aaron, what was your favorite? Any final well, thoughts? Actually, I agree with Cole. My uh, favorite is The Devils, mm. and my second favorite is In the Realm of the Senses, and third is Sallow. So uh, not much surprise there. And, in fact, as far as just liking these in, in general, the only one I meet, you know, well, society. I like society, but in a different way. And then uh, a Serbian film, I actually... Um, is fifth so sorry that's that's interesting that i i liked it a little more than or a lot more than you guys well i liked it <laughs> yeah quote unquote <laughs> uh, yeah I, well what i found uh during this journey and i of course we do a criterion podcast but i'm into all sorts of movies and i'm into genre movies i'm into even superhero movies to a certain extent uh, you know the fact that i've taken film studies classes maybe makes me a little sometimes quote pretentious and uh, and and sometimes I uh, I'm a little bit of a snob towards certain films, but I surprised myself by how much I liked a lot of these movies. So I, I would just say that I, I think that uh, gore and uh, gross-out movies. I think there is a, a statement there. They have something to say, and I'm surprisingly a fan of them. So I, I'm I actually ordered Martyrs today, and um, I'll probably watch a few more that uh, you guys threw out. Although probably not that guinea pig one. <laughs> probably skip that one. Uh, yeah, I'll probably take a break. Um, so, Dustin, you shared some final thoughts. Any? I uh, would just curious your favorites and any other final thoughts. I uh, I loved um, 
Cole's don't tell me what art is thing. Um, but I would say my favorites, because uh, I always have a soft place, place in my heart for them, is Solo and Cannibal Holocaust. Um, and then In the Realm of Senses is there in the top as well as The Devils. Um, but if I'm looking, if I'm going to pick the best Gross Owl movie, it's going to be that 11 of a Serbian film. Uh, but hmm. I don't, I don't want to watch it and I only want to watch it when, you know, I, I really need to not like myself afterwards. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think Solo, Cannibal Holocaust, uh, In the Realm of Senses, those are like my three favorites, uh, that blend a nice little bit of art as well as, a, a little bit of taboo as well sure yeah well uh, real quick so do you guys think a serbian film would you recommend somebody watch it once just to see what it is just yes or no i would always recommend somebody watch something once you can't mm. you can't criticize it or you know you have nothing to say about it if you have an experience so always at least once mm-hmm. okay like food you should try everything once yeah all right there you go yeah, I'm, I'm glad i'm, I'm glad i watched it yeah it's one, although, I mean, there's certain people I would not recommend it to because you just know they will they may never speak to you again. But in general, if it's <laughs> someone that's a friend who I know and is at least a little bit open to, to film and interpretation, sure. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, morally, I, it's reprehensible, but I, I'm, I'm looking at it, try to, trying to look at it objectively. Sure, so. yeah. Well, I'll just mention, you know, my, my picks. I probably... I could go either way with Salo or in the realm of the senses. I mean, not a surprise that you know my picks start with the Criterion releases. They do a great job of <laughs> picking movies, which Dustin so eloquently mentioned before. You can't, uh, you know, blind buy really a bad uh, Criterion movie. Um, I would probably put Antichrist right after that. I know it's not really part of the mix, but I just lumped it in there. Uh, and Martyrs next, I would say for uh, the list. I do like that one very cerebral, uh, certainly up my alley. So hope uh, you like that. And you know, final thoughts. I I was you know been looking forward to this for quite some time. Didn't get to revisit as much as I would have liked. Kind of checked out some newer films. And I would agree with what you guys had said that you know there is there is some art here. And if you can you know just delve into it, take with it uh, from it what you can. Uh, you may become a little desensitized. Maybe that's good or bad uh, to the grossness of it. But um, these these filmmakers do have something to say. And uh, Dustin, I just wanted to let you know I, I got to blame Cole for Begotten because uh, he's the <laughs> one who <laughs> had, had found. I, I someone gave him the out of print DVD, and I was going to delve into it. But whoever um, it was, yeah, I mean, it's it's happen. on YouTube for free if you'd like to watch it. But oh my god, that movie, guys! <laughs> that was uh, that, and, that was one. If you guys could add, like, I've watched I watched uh, Faces of Death in uh, another movie called Taxidermia, which I think is Hungarian. Um, before this just kind of catch up on as much as i can um mm. but uh but yeah I, i'll i'll never forget whoever it was for uh, begotten because that was one i was like damn it like i really wish i watched literally anything else besides that whatever nicholas whatever wow. disgusting crap nicholas cage just came out with i would rather watch that you'd than, rather do that yeah, than, I, I think you need nicholas sparks if... <laughs> very true Hey, I, I'm sorry. I have just one, actually, more not a thought, but a comment. Uh, one thing interesting about all these films is, for the the vast majority, we're failures, and I think that goes back to the bullshit censorship censorship that Cole was referencing. A lot of times, there are campaigns against these films that hurt it. Yet, you know, with uh, years behind it and and, and uh, hindsight, we've come to appreciate them, or or they've you know reached the public consciousness. So I, I, I think, yeah, again, uh, st- uh, Soapbox, uh, we shouldn't condemn things we don't understand. So um, And we should support, you know, uh, try to help these 
filmmakers that are taking chances, including Antichrist, which also was not successful. Yeah, good point. So, wow, that is our gross out episode. <laughs> I hope hope folks, quotation marks again, uh, enjoyed it and uh, stuck with us for the ride. I hope maybe you checked out some films and you know enjoyed our discussion. But first, I want to thank both of you uh, for joining us, Cole and Dustin. It was a pleasure. Thank you for uh, sticking with us with this. Uh, we had a really good discussion, really delved into a lot of films. Um, so yeah, thanks, thank you guys, guys so much. Yeah, it's yeah. our pleasure. Th- you guys were the thank best. You. Thank you. That was great. So where can folks uh, find you guys online, Dustin? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, it's probably the best way to find me. If I ever write anything, I'll link it. Uh, but it also has a link to my letterbox where I diary everything. Um, Perfect. That's at DTWS4. Um, and uh, if I ever get back on this podcast, if I'm ever invited back, let's do something normal next time. Uh, <laughs> all right. Just any, you will be invited anything back. Anything <laughs> normal at all would be great. It'll be unicorns and rainbows next time. Yes, the, Care, the Care Bears movie, I, I dig. I we're, dig. We're doing Sean the Sheep next, so come on back. <laughs> Perfect. And Cole, thanks again for uh, for joining us. Second time guest, the Magic Lantern podcast, doing yeoman's work over there. Where can folks find you? You can find us also on Twitter, at Lantern underscore cast. Uh, we have a Facebook group. You can just Google or search for Magic Lantern on Facebook. And the website, magiclanternpodcast.com, has all of our episodes and the supplemental show notes and links and stuff that we put up there. We're all over the place. Nice, nice. Good We're, stuff. Listen, listen to their podcast. It's awesome. Yeah, they do a great job. Completely Love the agree. dynamic. Thanks, Cole. It Thank might you. be better than Criterion Close-Up. Who knows? Oh! I wouldn't go there. Oh, and, I, and I just got disinvited. <laughs> it's a tie for first. <laughs> Uh, so, folks, again, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find this show here, Criterion Close-Up, at CriterionCU on Twitter, CriterionCloseUp.com, at Facebook, slash Criterion Close-Up. Aaron, you are on Twitter. AWest505. And Mark Herney, M-H-U-R-N-E is my name on Twitter. And uh, definitely we could use some more iTunes reviews, folks. We'd love those. Star rating just takes two seconds. Click a star. Uh, leave us some comments. Love to hear what you think about the show. It certainly can you know, affect what we do. Uh, and uh, next week we are going to get into spine number 800 for the Criterion Collection, uh, Mike Nichols' film, The Graduate. So uh, we'll be closing with some music from In the Realm of the Senses. We'll, uh, thanks again, folks, for joining us on Criterion Close-Up. <laughs> <laughs>